Hey everyone, this is Jason from the Rams Review Podcast. Just before we get stuck into the episode, I want to take a quick moment to promote something us here at the Rams Review Podcast are very passionate about, the Fan Hub app. Football without fans is nothing. That's why Fan Hub is on a mission to put fans first. This app is now available on Apple and Google stores. The Fan Hub app has lots of fun things for fans of football to do, including competing against fellow fans in predicting lineups and checking on match days. Also, lots of real fan media content for each club, including us here at the Rams Review Podcast for Derby County. Download it today and be part of putting fans first. Currently, there is a waiting list for the app, but we can give you a unique code to help you jump the queue. Check out on our socials for more info. This is the Rams Review Podcast. Discussion, insights, interviews and analysis. All passion, all Derby County. The Rams Review Podcast is proud to be part of the Fan Hub 100, where fans come first. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Rams Review Podcast. It's Corey here. Jason's not able to join us this week. He's got a couple of different commitments going on, but he will be back in the near future. But we're looking ahead to Saturday's fixture against Blackburn Rovers. We don't know what time it's going to be yet because obviously they've delayed, the EFL have delayed 3 p.m. fixtures for um, the funeral of His Royal Highness Prince Philip. Um, so there is a game. We don't know what time it's going to take place, but we're all hopeful that it's going to take place either Friday evening or Saturday. And to discuss the Blackburn Rovers game impending, we're going to do some Rovers chat with Ryan Hildred from Rovers chat. Ryan, how are we? I'm good, thank you. I like that intro as well. I've never thought about that. But uh, yeah, I'm great, thank you. Uh, I'm not bad at all. How are you doing? I can't complain. I can't complain. It's a nice sunny day. Um, and, you know, Darby only lost 1-0 at the weekend to Norwich. So <laughs> that was much better because I was predicting at least two, maybe three. It could have been a cricket score. Who knows? But it was 1-0. And a weirdly much performed, much improved performance in the second half from Wayne Rooney's men. So will they carry that on to Blackburn? I don't know. Fingers crossed. Hopefully, hopefully we can get a Darby can get some points on the board because it's a squeaky bum time down there with Darby in 20th position. And Ryan, I want to talk to you about the league position for a minute, because when we chatted um, back in the early autumn, uh, Blackburn came to Pride Park. Let's not talk about the game. We'll, we'll talk about the game. Uh, Blackburn came to Pride Park and basically just took a mop out and wiped the floor with Darby County. Uh, 4-0, 4-0 winners. And at the time, Blackburn were really flying. And then they went on a really good run of form. And I was preparing for this. I was preparing for us to chat. And I looked at the league table and I was like looking and I was like, I cannot find Blackburn in the league table. So I kept scrolling and I still couldn't find them. Blackburn <laughs> are 17th, Ryan. So my question, what the heck's happened? Yeah, it's been um, it's been a desperately disappointing season because, you know, if I just start, you know, the start of the season, this was a real season of confidence with um, the fact we had strength and depth all over the park. We had Tony Mowbray, who'd really steadied the ship. And you're looking at the state of some of the clubs, including Derby, you know, um, you're thinking, right, is there a little opportunity there for Rovers to maybe do a playoff push? 
as you say, we started the season really well, beat Wickham 5-0, beat Derby 4-0. And um, we then lost a couple of games. But then the form going to the end of November was pretty decent. Um, and then really the cracks started to form just before Christmas. Um, we got a really good draw away at Brentford uh, with 10 men. And you're kind of thinking that's a playoff game uh, right there at, at the start of December. But then the cracks started to show, as I say, Christmas period is always a bad one for Rovers. Uh, we lost three games over the Christmas period to Stoke, um, lost to Huddersfield and, and drew with Sheffield Wednesday as well. So that was disappointing. January, there was a little bit of a reprieve. We won a couple and, and then drew one. But really, you know, the problems have started from the beginning of February. We're now on a run of form, which is one win in 15 games, uh, starting with QPR at the start of February. And it's just been a desperate, desperate run of form. Um, we've lost five on the bounce in that run of form. We've just really looked poles apart from that side that early on in the season were devastating in attack. Um, we've really lost that attacking impetus from our side. And I think over the last 25 games, uh, I think it's something like we've only scored 22 goals or 23 goals. Um, it'll probably be with the Cardiff result yesterday. So we've just lost that real attacking threat. And, and that's stuff that probably neutral fans this season that haven't seen a lot of Rovers will probably say, oh, Blackburn score a lot of goals. Actually, in this second half of the season, we haven't. And really, you know, the wheels are starting to come well and truly off, you know, not just on the pitch. Fans are now questioning the ownership again. They're questioning the manager. You know, it's really, this season's really ending in a complete different vein to what we started this season, which is a big shame, real big shame. Because I remember that that's a real surprise to me because I remember when we spoke, you know, last time that mm -hmm. the fans, you had said that it was one of the first times in a long time for Rovers that everyone seemed to be really pulling in the right direction. Mowbray was the right man. Everyone was kind of starting to back the ownership. And then all of a sudden you get, you go on this poor run of form and those, those questions start to rear their ugly head. Um, and I'm surprised to hear about the lack of goals and how that's really the catalyst for this kind of poor run from, from Blackburn. I'm sure you're well aware, but Darby's um, goal scoring form is not much better. When I look at the, when I look at the statistics here, it, it's, it's, it's not great. It's not great in terms of, um, goals. Darby have got 30 goals this season entirely and Blackburn have scored 52. So when you're talking about 22 goals in 25 games, God, I wish Darby had some of that goal scoring form in, in front of, in front of goal. Um, but Blackburn have very good attacking players. I know um, Tyrese Dolan um, was one of the players that really stood out to me in that, in that first thing, obviously he's a young player, Harvey Elliott, young player, didn't play in the Derby game, but I know he's been doing well for Blackburn. And then you've got um, one of one of the probably top strikers, I would say, in the division in Adam Armstrong. So so what's caused them? What's caused this disappearance of form? I think um, what it is, I think we started the season really well and caught a lot of teams by surprise, actually, because we were playing a really good possession brand of football. And, and even in the games that we lost, you know, games like Watford away stick out uh, in my mind and then Bournemouth on the opening day of the season as well. Even in defeat in those games, we look really good. We kept the ball. We created chances. We were a little bit unlucky. We were a good attacking threat. I then think teams really sussed us out and thought, well, OK, this Blackburn Rovers side, as, attack, as good as they are in an attacking sense, we're not actually a very clinical side. Uh, and Adam Armstrong was only the one really contributing goals in, in a real good rate of uh, a good hit rate. So I think teams worked it out that if you sit back off Rovers, let Rovers have the ball, let them keep the possession, let them have that ball in the second third of the pitch, that middle third of the pitch, because really until they get to the final third, there's going to be no issues there. Teams have worked that out. And then the real damning statistic for Rovers, if you combine that then with actually hitting us on the counter-attack or getting a goal out of nothing, 
when Rovers go behind in a game of football, invariably we do go on to lose. Uh, I think we've only beaten Rotherham uh, from behind. So once this season have we won from going behind. And then there's probably three or four draws in there when we've gone behind as well. Inevitably, if teams do take the lead, uh, they win those games of football. So I think really, you know, from December onwards, managers have sussed us out and and Mowbray, and this is where he's getting a lot of um, static and, and critics from the fans, is we don't seem to have adjusted our game plan. He's been quite faithful and rigid to that 4-3-3, that possession brand, that, that way that he wants to play. And, and managers have just gone, well, OK, if you're going to play that way, we'll adjust our style. And, and obviously that's culminated in this run of form that we've had uh, in 2021. And when you, look at the, when you look at the teams that are in and around Blackburn in the league, Preston have had a new manager. Birmingham have a new manager. Huddersfield have had a new manager. Um, Derby's had a new manager. Forest have had a new manager. At Bristol City's had a new manager as well. Yet Tony Mowbray's still there. Um, and, and I know the quality that Tony Mowbray brings. He's a very experienced head. He, know, he understands the game. And I'm not one for necessarily pulling the trigger too quick on a manager because sometimes I do think that they need time to build. And you can't look at this season in isolation. Tony Mowbray has had... I guess you could call it success with Blackburn Rovers. He's took them yeah. back up from League One. He's made them a, an established um, championship team once again. Are Venkis right not pulling the trigger here, or is it a case of Tony Mowbray has took Rovers as far as he can? Uh, so I think the, the answer to your first question, uh, in my mind, is yes. I think he has taken us as far as he can. I think the consolidation back as a championship club is, is as far as Mowbray can do that. And actually, he's now at risk of really unravelling all of that with... Uh, before you look at us in the league and things like that, we are looking over our shoulder. Uh, we are nervous about this end of the season and we can't believe that we're, we're thinking in that way. So yes, I do think that Tony Mowbray has, has taken us as far as he can and, and it is time for a change and for someone different to come in and, and maybe get us punching up towards those playoff positions, doing what Barnsley have done, doing what Brentford have done over a longer time period. You know, that's where Rovers need to be aiming for next. Uh, I think it's fair to say that if Tony Mowbray was at another football club, he would have been sacked by now. And I think this is the saddest thing um, in this run of form, in this one win in the 15 games in, in this calendar year that, that I'm talking about. It's really brought to the surface all of these deep-rooted scars that Rovers fans have got about this ownership. And I'm as guilty as anyone because I've been happy for Venkis just to sit in the background signing the blank checks, underwriting the debts that we've got at the club and kind of being silent owners in that regard. Because when they were active owners, when we're in the Premier League, obviously doing what they did, it really got us into a spot of bother and ultimately we were relegated. So I've been fine with them being silent owners. But actually, I can't have my cake and eat it as a fan because if they're being silent owners in terms of signing the checks, actually at the moment, they're also being silent owners in terms of not pulling the trigger on Tony Mowbray. Um, and there is a lot of... Um, I don't buy into the conspiracy theories at the club like others do. Um, but Steve Waggett, the CEO, um, Tony Mowbray and Mark Venus, his assistant, were all in charge at Coventry City before this. And they are a, they get called the Coventrio is, is what they get called because uh, they do seem to have just made a little niche for themselves at Rovers. And are they under pressure from Venkis? Are Venkis saying to them, what the hell's going on here? I'm not sure that we're even registering on Venkis' radar. Do Venkis care that Blackburn Rovers are 17th in the championship? Probably not. So if Steve Waggett's telling Venkis, don't worry, it's all fine, it's all great, they probably believe him. So I think that any other club would have pulled the trigger on Tony Mowbray now. And I hate talking about Mowbray like this because I'm forever, ever grateful for what he's done for Rovers. But we're going backwards now. We are really starting to motor backwards and 
We've got some worrying contractual situations with players. We will lose Adam Armstrong in the summer because he's got a year left on his contract. We could really find ourselves in a bit of a difficult position in the summer with the playing personnel. So we've just got to be really careful. And if we are going to get rid of Mowbray, it's got to be done at the right time because we can't be persisting with Mowbray through the summer and then pulling the trigger five games into next season because that becomes devastating. If it's going to be done, it's got to be done between now and before the start of next season. That's the window. Um, so, yeah, he, he should have gone in my mind. And, yeah, you're right to point out all those other clubs that have, Corey. I would agree with you. I think sometimes it's a bit odd for me when I sit back and I look at football teams and they have the continuation of manager through the summer. That manager brings in, um, you know, their set of players. For instance, this is not to, you know, down the A52 when you look at Nottingham Forest. And this is not pointing out Forest because plenty of fingers can be pointed at other clubs as well, including Derby to an extent. But when you look at a team like Forest, they had a poor end to the season. They kept Sabri Lamushi in summer. They allowed Sabri Lamushi to sign 10 or 12 players or whatever it is. They keep Sabri Lamushi for four or five games. It doesn't work. And then they fire Chris, they bring, they fire him and bring Chris Hutton in. And I agree with you, Ryan. I think that you do have a window where you have to make a change in manager and you have to say, is this for the long term or is this not? Because going, having that person that's not necessarily a long term commitment, signing players, that can set the team back sometimes years in depending on how much they cost. And then what you have is they do a preseason, they get all adjusted to it, and then you fire them four games into a season because you don't win a game. And this is yeah. this is always the strange thing. If you lose four games in the middle of the season, you're not under as much pressure as if you lose four games at the beginning of the season. It's literally just losing four games. So, you know, and then they pull the trigger and then they bring a new man in and then it takes all the players to start from square one again. So basically everything you did that offseason is a waste of time. So I agree with you. I think there is a window there. And it is strange to see Tony Mowbray. Um, I didn't realize he's kind of like, in a gangster mob here, the, the, the Colum Hill trio or whatever. Yeah, and I, I do hate talking like that because I don't necessarily subscribe to all the conspiracy theories, but, you know, it is a very comfortable job, not just for Mowbray, but for his assistant and the CEO at the moment. Are the owners putting that pressure on? I don't think they are. So um, I don't want to go too kind of tinfoil hat with it. <laughs> Well, I want to talk about the ownership because I'm sure you're well aware down here in Derby, um, there has been some ownership. I guess I guess it's like a saga. It's kind of a bit longer than the Star Wars saga, I think, at this point. Um, it's been going on what seems like forever. It started in, um, just after these two teams met the first time, after we met up the first time. Um, you know, Halloween, they come in. Sheikh Khalid Ben Zayed's going to buy the, buy the club. That fell through. And all of a sudden now it looks like potentially by the time these two teams kick off on Friday, potentially Darby could have a new owner in Eric Alonso. And he's been sounding out different things. He wants to have Darby to have a Brentford model. He wants to have all these different kinds of things. And that brings me to Venkies because Venkies have been in charge for Blackburn for what now, probably I want to say at least 10 years because yeah, I remember over, yeah. what 10 years ago, was it? Yeah. 2010. Yeah. See, cause I remember when they brought the chicken into Ewood park and the yeah. Premier league, which, I think is just peak Venkis. I think that's when Black that's that's when Venkis peaked in my mind when the guy brought the chicken in, which was just hilarious and it had a little Blackburn scarf on it. That was amazing. That was that was that. That was the night we were relegated as well. It was awful, <laughs> awful. <laughs> but what what's what's Venkis' end game here? What's their ambition? I mean, like you said, Rovers have had steady progress, right? A lot of these wounds have kind of healed from the fan base. But again, when you have one win in fifteen, it's not great. You have a manager who's seemingly not under pressure 
they're not necessarily pulling up trees with signings to make, like you say, that that push to move up five or six spaces because Blackburn, to be fair, I mean, they're sitting in 17th right now, but I've seen them a couple of times. They're not too far away. They're three or four players short, like most teams are. Yeah. But but what's Venke's end game here? Is it just to like use Blackburn Rovers because you can own a football club and you can be big time or is it, to make money or is it eventually to get to, I mean, what, what, what it's like, they're kind of, it's kind of like they're steering a rudderless ship to me on the outside looking in. Yeah. Answers on a postcard for, for what they want to do because uh, no one knows. I mean, if I just try and layer some of this on top and try and work it out, I think when they initially bought the club, I think clearly they were looking for some kind of in into the European market in terms of advertising Venkies or, or doing whatever they do. And, and they were sold a kipper really by, I can't say it for legal reasons because Rovers fans have got in trouble by slagging off the people that that did stuff with the club. But Venkis was sold a dream, shall we say, by a certain agency and said, oh, go and buy this football club and hire this manager and buy these players. And, and that obviously ended in tears and Rovers were relegated. Uh, we were fully expecting uh, Venkis to have left the club um, when we got relegated, if not in the first season, certainly one or two seasons after that. But this takes me back to the point I said to you earlier, you know, as as a fan, I've been happy with the silent ownership because they have paid Jordan Rhodes's wages when he was at Rovers. They have put their hand in their pocket to sign players like Ben Breaton and, and Sam Gallagher in recent years. They do keep underwriting the debts and you can see it at Company's House every month, every quarter. They are injecting the capital into the club, so they are doing it. But then that takes me back to the question you asked. Well, why? Why are they doing that? And I think the only reason why is twofold, I think. One is, I think, Indian people in general, from what I understand in terms of how they operate in business, are very proud in what they do. And I do think they want to right the wrongs that they created. Do think they care in some kind of weird way? I really do. I think they're trying to solve this problem somehow. But... They have in no way, shape or form got any kind of structure within our club that you can akin to the likes of Brentford and Norwich and other clubs that have been successful in recruitment. We have no structure like that that is actually going to bear fruit for them. So they're basically just setting fire to money every year. That's all they're doing. Although in the recent years, you know, with the use of the academy and some of the signings and some of the stuff that Mowbray did, it felt like the tide was turning in that regard. So that's that side of things. I do think the end game for them would be if we can get promoted into the Premier League, obviously, with the riches that that would bring and writing off some of the debts. I do think that that might be the point that they decide to sell the club and try and cut their losses as best they can. But really, Corey, um, you know, Venkis have been to England, I think it's three or four times in their whole ownership in the 10 years that they've been here. They manage us from afar they own us from afar so your guess is as good as mine as to why they still own Blackburn Rovers football club and it really scares me as a fan because the moment that they decide to sell the club we are the next Bolton Wanderers make no mistake about that our debts are over 100 million which we owe to them and I'm pretty certain that they would be calling that in and I think at the moment we're just getting lucky that they are loaded. They are billionaires. And obviously, India are going through a pandemic at the moment. And the industry that they're in with food and eggs and chickens and all of that is obviously a very busy industry over there as well. I just don't think we register. I literally do not think that Blackburn Rovers are registering on their radar at the moment. And it's really sad. I mean, I, th I think it's weird. You talk about the, the company that kind of sold them this pipe dream. I mean, buy a football club, sell more chicken nuggets and eggs. <laughs> I, it doesn't really seem like, well, I, know. I don't know. I feel like I could take an ad out of a newspaper or, 
you know, a million and one other things. And my, my, my kind of tongue in cheek question to you, Ryan, in Lancashire, can, can you walk into a supermarket and find Venki's products now more, more ubiquitous than what you could before? Uh, I don't think so. Um, I don't live in Lancashire, but uh, certainly when I've been to Blackburn to the games and, and stuff like that, I we've got the Venkis branding in the stadium, but I don't think you can buy the products. So, um, yeah, I don't think it's worked in that regard. Doesn't really seem, oh, well, hey, that seems like a good product. I'm going to go to the store and get it. Oh, they don't sell it. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah a bit of a strange one. So, um, Ryan, then talk me through uh, Premier League for Blackburn. How What's it going to take for this club? How many players are they going to need to, to get back up back up to the promised land? Yeah, I mean, when things were looking a bit rosier for Rovers earlier on in the season, I've kind of got three things in my head that I think you need um, as a club like Rovers in the Championship who cannot compete with the riches which are coming down from those teams that are relegated from the Championship. And I think teams like Derby and Rovers have got a big problem brewing, actually, because it absolutely drives me potty that Norwich and Watford have just come down and wiped the floor with everyone else. Bournemouth are probably going to make the playoffs and I don't think that they're great. And that really is as a result of parachute payment money. And if Fulham get relegated, they'll do the same next season. Sheffield United will probably come down and be strong next season. And that's just going to keep growing and growing and growing. And as these same teams just yo-yo between the divisions, we're just going to see the same suspects going up and down and up and down and up and down, particularly as the teams at the top half of the Prem they start to solidify as well. If teams like Villa and Wolves and Everton really get their housing order, that top 10 in the Premier League is going to be locked down. So you're basically going to have a bottom half of the Premier League that probably just recycles between the championships. So that really bothers me as a fan. But I think the three things that Rovers need to do to kind of break that and somehow get into the Prem for me, we've got an ace in the hole, which is our academy. We've got a Category 1 academy in a very good hotbed of... Uh, England in the Northwest. And we've got very good relationship with some of the bigger clubs up there as well. Your Man United's, Everton's, Liverpool's, Man City's, you know, good relationships with those clubs. And actually, we've been picking off some of their cast-offs as well and bring them into our academy. So you need a production line of talent coming through. That's step one. Uh, secondly, um, I think you need to loan very sensibly from the Premier League. And to be fair to Rovers, we've actually done that pretty well. Uh, particularly youngsters uh, over the last couple of years. So we had Adarabayo from Man City last season, got Harvey Elliott this season, of course, and we've got Taylor Harwood-Bellis, who's a young centre-back from Man City. If you can loan really sensibly, and we've seen it with clubs like uh, Aston Villa with Tammy Abraham, Swansea last season with Rian Brewster. If you can bring in in signings like that, just to supplement what you've got in your team, I think that's uh, another key part that you need to do. But I think the big thing for Rovers, and this is what we've always got wrong, uh, particularly since relegation from the Premier League, is you need to what I call trade well as a club. So Brentford are the perfect model for this because they accept the fact that every 18 months, every 12 months, you're going to sell a Neil Morpay, you're going to sell an Ollie Watkins, you're going to sell a Saeed Benrahma, and you recycle that cash into the club. So Rovers need to get used to the fact that, okay, you're going to sell Adam Armstrong and then use that money, recycle it in the squad. Then you might sell Lewis Travis, recycle it, and then you might sell someone else. So you need to do that player trading really well. So you've got a constant cash flow going through that club and you've got that good crop. Uh, which is obviously always being bolstered by your academy, which ironically, your academy players might be one of the players that you end up trading as well if they're really good. So I think for Rovers, they're the real three things that we've got to do really well to kind of punch above our weight because in terms of revenue, in terms of attendances, in terms of cash flow, 
we're bottom half, you know, probably bottom eight of the championship. We just cannot compete um, in, in terms of the other clubs. I would agree with you to a certain extent that that applies a lot to Derby County as well. When you look at when you look at the assets, the playing staff that Derby have, you know, they very rarely they, they're always they always tend to sell a player in summer. Right. You look back, Matty Vidra, Tom Entz, um, come to mind, Jaden Bogle, Max Lowe last summer, Will Hughes. Um, Jeff Hendrick as well. So Darby always tend to, to tend to sell a player as well. And I think Darby's got to get into this model. And hopefully once they get the boardroom and ownership issues sorted, they can move kind of towards this model. Because when you look, when you watch the game on either Friday night, Saturday in morning or Saturday evening, um, it's going, you're going to see a team that has not a lot of resale value. Yes, the young players do. And we know what the market's like for young players, especially ones that are from, you know, the home nations in Ireland, you know, the, yeah. the, the market tends to tends to blossom. And I think it's always this this strange thing that you don't want to lose your best player. Right. I'm sure Rovers don't want to sit there and lose Adam Armstrong. I'm sure Brentford didn't want to sit there and lose Ollie Watkins. And I'm sure Darby don't want to sit here and lose three or four of the young players. But it's a case of do you keep this player, play them in the championship and never get promoted? Or do you sell this player and then reinvest that into three or four, maybe even yeah. five players, depending on the size of the fee? And then make that push. And then then, then what happens in the next season? You sell two of the ones that you brought in and you buy three or four more. And then that's how your team kind of evolves. And I agree. With you. I think a lot of these teams outside of the top 10 in the Premier League, all these teams are going to have to adapt to similar model now, um, especially when you look at the finances and how they're going to be hit by COVID um, in this close season as opposed to last one. Last one was also a little slow. But personally for myself, and I'm, I don't know if you feel the same, but I feel like the finances are going to be impacted more this offseason as well. Um, because they've had a whole season now without revenues of fans and grounds. The TV money's been cut back. The sponsors have been cut back because people aren't getting eyeballs on, you know, yeah. the Venkies chicken sign or 32 red or something like that. So th- there are going to be, there are going to be a strange financial fiscal realities that teams need to need to worry about. And, you know, the other thing that you say worrying me from a fiscal standpoint, a hundred million pounds in debt, Black River yeah. Rovers are, I mean, that's, that's cataclysmic. That is, I mean, that is yeah. all of a sudden one of their check bounces or they have a chicken plague in India. I mean, no disrespects, Ryan Blackburn could go overnight and that's gotta be a serious yeah. concern for you as a fan. Uh, yeah, it is. It's a huge concern for me as a fan. And as much as teams like Bolton and Wigan annoy me from a footballing sense, I've absolutely hated seeing what they're going through. Uh, and when I see the stuff going on with your ownership and, you know, this is a founder member of the football league in Derby County, like Blackburn Rovers as a plaything for people wanting to own football clubs. It just absolutely drives me potty. It really does. And, and you're right. Um, the ownership of our club and the debts that we've got, it constantly worries me, which is why I want Rovers to just somehow get into a model that doesn't rely on them injecting the cash. We're trading those players well, using that academy really well we can rely less and less on the cash that Venkis are having to push in and hopefully at some point feel comfortable cutting the apron strings. So one player I want to talk about from the Blackburn Academy that leads me to my next point, Ryan, perfectly. I don't know. Did you read my notes? No. Um, I have that all the time on my show. My guests always do that. <laughs> one of the things, one of the players I want to talk about is um, Joe Rankin Costello. He's really impressed me the few times I've seen Blackburn this season. He seems very, very consistent. Um, he's a midfielder. I know, obviously, 
Um, Blackburn got him kind of through the Manchester United Academy, but I think he did spend some time in the Blackburn Rovers Academy. For the sake of this yep. argument, we'll just say that he's kind of come through the system because he didn't just play at the first team and then come through. He played for the end of 23s. Yep. Um, is, he the, is he two questions? One, how good has he been this season? Two, is he your most is he one of your most important players? And three, will he be at Rovers next season? And is he one of these players that's going to be one of these self-sustaining models as the start of? Hopefully, from a finance point of view, but not hopefully from a player like to watch him play standpoint. Yeah, um, we're really excited about Joe Rankin Costello. And to answer your last question first, um, he is absolutely one of those players that I'm talking about um, as one of those that you would trade and kind of buy cheap and sell big. You know, he definitely fits that model. And as you say, he's one that we nabbed from another academy when when he was released. Um, unfortunately, this season, he's been ravaged a little bit with injuries. So we've not seen as much as him, of him as we would like. And indeed, he's out for the season now, which is a real shame. Uh, started the season in midfield, and that's where we thought he would be, either as a wide midfielder or an attacking mid uh, midfielder, most certainly. But the biggest comparison I can give, we seem to have done to Joe Rankin-Costello what Forrest did to Matty Cash. So if you remember, Matty Cash started as a midfielder, ended up as a right-back. Joe Rankin-Costello has actually looked very impressive as a right-back and as an attacking right-back as well. Getting forward and his deliveries from that right-back area, really good. He's got a good cross on him, good set-piece delivery if he gets on them, you know, that type of stuff. Real good passer of the ball. And I think next season, whether it is Mowbray or it isn't, uh, if Rankin-Costello is still at Rovers next season, he will be right-back. Uh, and then we've signed Harry Pickering from Crew, who is an attacking left-back as well. Our full-backs will be a real feature of our side next season, regardless of who the manager is, getting up and down those wings. And as I say, really important set-piece deliveries. But you're absolutely right to ask the question of, is he going to be here next season? Because uh, he's still not signed a new contract. Um, I believe that we've got the option of a year in our favour. So if we wanted to, we could trigger that. But obviously the end goal here is we really need to convince this kid to stay because he could become a real important player for Rovers. And if we can keep him free of injury, um, you know, Matty Cash is is the, the comparison I can give you. That's the level that I think Joe Rankin Costello could get to. Yeah, and I would agree. I think Matty Cash last season was argu probably arguably one of the best fullbacks. And obviously he's coming to the Premier League and he doesn't look he doesn't look out of sorts there. So if Rankin Costello yeah. follows is the same kind of career projection. Gonna be yeah, a real good technical be... right back is is what I could you know the Trent Alexander Arnold type of right back. It's it's that technical right back. Yeah, and and you know that's that's the easy fifteen million for Rovers. Um, yeah, with the, with the market the way it is, you know you mentioned Rankin Costello has been hit by injuries. Another player um, who has unfortunately been hit by a couple cruel injuries recently. A very similar, very similar to Derby's player Christian Bielik tore his ACL, mm. came back, tore his ACL again, and you know where I'm heading with this, Ryan. Yeah, uh, Bradley Dak. I know he's so influential to Blackburn Rovers and everything that they do. He'd come back from an ACL injury. He had this really great comeback. And I'm not sure it might've been, was it his first appearance back or was no, it one of his first weeks. appearances back? And then he tore his ligament again. Yeah, that's right. He had 10 weeks back with us. So um, yeah, he did his first ACL um, December, 2019 um, and then made his comeback appearance Um over Christmas this year, um, I think it was Sheffield Wednesday at home. I could be mistaken. But then he got his first goal um, the day after New Year's Day away at Birmingham. And that was a real emotional moment to see him back. And he got his goal and it meant so much to him. And then just over the next seven or eight games, uh, he started a couple, was playing more minutes and really getting himself up to speed. And we did start to see 
the Bradley Dak that we know and love for the final two or three games before his injury, you know, the tricks and flicks and influencing the game how we want him to do. Oh, just motorbike going past my house. I hope that didn't come, <laughs> come across on the audio. Uh, and then the Brentford game, um, it was just, so what was that? That was six weeks ago, wasn't it? I think it was um, a slightly shorter time. The real sickening and cruel thing about it is it was David Raya um, who injured him and David Raya was our goalkeeper and David Raya and Bradley Dack were teammates in that League One promotion side. And it was a complete innocuous challenge. You know, we're chasing the game at 1-0. Bradley Dack um, tries to sneak up on David Raya as he's put the ball down to, to throw it and kick it. Dak kind of steals in ahead of Raya and Raya ends up kicking him completely innocuous. And, and as you say, you know, did his other ACL and, and that's him out now for... Well, the last ACL he had, he was out for 13 months because he had a couple of setbacks. If it's the same time period, we're not even going to see him next season, which just really devastates me as a fan. And when that injury happened against Brentford, it's possibly one of the most emotional feelings I've had as a Rovers fan. Yeah, I've had tears of joy. And yes, I've had tears of sadness at relegations and things like that. This was something different. This was like... You know, Bradley Dack is the heartbeat of our club on and off the pitch. You know, he does loads of pratting about on social media and stuff for the club shop and a real infectious character. And you could just see the look on Mowbray's face when he saw that injury. It was like a, a father looking at his son. You could just see he was absolutely gutted about it. And all his fans were as well. And, um, you know, as, as much as it's really horrible for the player to have to deal with that, from a footballing perspective, it's going to be a real problem for Rovers next season because I think Rovers have known for a while, I think, that we're going to sell Adam Armstrong. So then you're thinking, OK, next season is where Bradley Dack comes back into the mantle because, to be fair to Adam Armstrong, he's really covered the gap left by Bradley Dack with his first injury. We've now got no Adam Armstrong probably next season and no Bradley Dack. That's a lot of creativity. That's a lot of goals missing from this Rovers side. So we've got a bit of a problem next season. And as you say, with the cash flow uh, around COVID and things, Mowbray's already come out and said there isn't much budget available next season. We ain't replacing Abdam Armstrong and we ain't replacing Bradley Dack. So it's going to be a real transition for us next season, unfortunately. And if Bradley Dack was here, we probably would have coped a little bit better with Armstrong going. Well, Ryan, that brings us to our new segment, new segment for you, because we didn't do it last time you were on, on the podcast and it's the quick fire five. So I'm going to ask you five questions, um, either very quick responses or shorter responses, couple sentences. Um, are you ready? I am. Fair enough. Blackburn Rovers. Who's the top goal scorer this season for Rovers? Oh, Adam Armstrong. Who, which player, which player is super hot right now and in form? Ooh, not many. <laughs> oh my God, Dara Lenihan. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> who's not in form? Oof, a lot. Um, who's been disappointing me? You can't just name the team sheet. No, I need to just scan the pitch a little bit. Do you know what? I'm going to be controversial and say Harvey Elliott. Really, Harvey Elliott, I thought he was doing okay with his little... I don't like his man, but it really puts me off. because He has set very, very high standards for himself, so I feel bad throwing him under the bus like that. But um, he's not really been impacting the games as, as much recently. And do you know what? I'm being very harsh on a 17-year-old there, but that's the state of our side at the moment. He is our top assist maker, top goal contributor, etc., etc. So we need Harvey Elliott. We need a bit more from him. So, yeah, Elliott, I feel bad for saying that. Sorry, Harvey. <laughs> so 
So when the two teams kick off, whether it's Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday after Saturday evening, whatever, um, what are the tactics? How's Mowbray going to set this team up and how's the, how are they going to play? As he always does, 4-3-3, possession-based, um, try and press you if we can. Uh, it'll be just the same that we've had um, and try not to go a goal down. <laughs> Outside of Daryl Lenahan and Joe Rankin-Costello, because we've already talked about them, um, when we turn the game on at whatever time, who are the ones to watch? Uh, Barry Douglas. Um, people probably know about Barry Douglas from his time at Leeds and Wolves, um, but he's starting to, to turn it on a little bit now. We're starting to see the Barry Douglas um, that, that we were expecting in terms of, you know, corners, set pieces, um, making things happen from that left-back area. So watch out for him. Thomas Kaminsky. I've got to do a word for Thomas Kaminsky. My man, Thomas Kaminsky, player of the season, our goalkeeper, um, just a real steady Eddie in goal. And um, I just love him to bits. He's, he's been a real high point of our season. Uh, and then who else to watch out for? Just, again, scanning. Um, maybe Sam Gallagher. Um, he gets a lot of critics, sometimes rightly, from Rovers fans. I'm not going to lie, sometimes rightly. But he does try his best for our side. And he was desperately unlucky against Cardiff. You know, on his day, he can dribble with the ball. He can take people on. He's a real powerful runner. And he hit the post on Saturday against Cardiff. Desperately unlucky. So watch out for him if he's in the mood. Uh, he might just make something happen. Fair enough. And I have to ask this question because Blackburn Rovers, Premier League, they're kind of synonymous. In a way, you want to see kind of Blackburn back there because they were up there so far. So I'm going to give you a choice of two Premier League stars for Blackburn Rovers. Well, three, and you have to pick which one, which one is your favorite? This might be really easy. <laughs> Benny McCarthy, Morton Gamps Pedersen, or Colin Kazim Richards? Oh, you've made that harder. That's good. Um <laughs> Uh, it's got to be Morton Gams Pedersen. Absolutely my favourite. Um, <laughs> sometimes the most frustrating footballer on a pitch because he would do things like shoot from corners and shoot from daft areas on set pieces and things like that. But he was a real talisman and he had a couple of seasons where he was just red hot, um, scoring some great goals and really, you know, contributing to our side really well. And he ended up with us, uh, I think it was nine years, could have been 10 years, could have, uh, probably nine years. And real sad the way it all ended for him. You know, we had Steve Keane as manager and probably didn't get the send-off that he deserved, you know, after being relegated to the championship and the state of the club at that time. But yeah, it's got to be Morton Gamps Pedersen. Loved him. The legendary Steve Keane, football oh, manager, football genius. Can't believe I've just said that on your podcast. You'll have to edit that out. Oh, that's staying in. And I'm sending that to the Rovers chat lads as well. <laughs> Steve Keen fan, Ryan Hildred. <laughs> All right. So, Ryan, we touched on this a little bit. Um, and before we actually talk about the game, you know what? No, we'll just go ahead and talk about the game. Um, your thoughts on the game Saturday, Derby County roll into Ewood Park. Um, how's this game going to go? What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on on the match in Derby from the way you look at it? This sounds really daft to say it, but this is actually Rovers' biggest game of the season. Um, just with everything that we've spoken about so far, Corey, and how this season has unraveled, um, we are not safe from relegation yet. And uh, we've got five sides below us to play before the end of the season now, which I think is actually detriment to Rovers because they are essentially six, uh, five six-pointer games, aren't they? So the teams below us are beating us and they've got the chance to leapfrog us. Uh, I've said it on our live streams and on our show. I do not 
want us to be in touching distance of Rotherham on the penultimate game of the season, who we've got, uh, and then Birmingham on the final day. If we're within touching distance of either of those two sides, then we are in some real trouble. So the three games before that are massive. And the Derby one is big for me because the point that we did get at Cardiff on Saturday put us four points ahead of Derby. So if we could beat you on Saturday and go seven points clear of you with those four games to go, then I'd like to say that we are pretty much safe. Um, I will go on record as saying we will be safe if we beat Derby. So with the run of form that we've been on, you know, one win in 15 games, as I say, this is absolutely a huge, huge, massive game for Rovers just to put to bed any thought of relegation, forget that, and hopefully have four games left to maybe experiment a bit, see who's going to be playing next season, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If we don't beat Derby on Saturday, boy, we're fully in a relegation battle. Derby will go one point behind Rovers. And as I say, with the form we're in and the teams we've got to play, uh, Derby could end up leapfrog, uh, leapfrogging us. So for me, it's a huge game, Corey. Absolutely huge game. And I think the Rovers players know that. I did see a performance on Saturday against Cardiff. They are staring down the barrel of what we're looking at now, that we are not safe from relegation. And I saw that against Cardiff on Saturday, particularly in the second half. So I, I am expecting a Rovers performance, which will try and go at Derby a little bit. But if Derby do take the lead, I do think heads will drop. Um, and, and that worries me. You know, 1-0 or 2-0 to sides this season has been a very common scoreline. Uh, if you can get your noses in front, it could just be 1-0 to Derby at Ewood Park. But um, yeah, it's, it's for me, the biggest game of the season. And I cannot believe that I'm talking in this way because it should be Barnsley or Brentford or Swansea or someone at this end of the season that we should be talking about. But hey-ho, this is where we are. I agree, with, I agree with you, Ryan, and I'm going to come for a score prediction in just one minute, so you got to chew the fat over that one. But I agree with you. I think this is an important game for both teams. I mean, yeah, Darby's well in a relegation dogfight. Neither – I think Darby's won one in five. Blackburn's not won one in – I've picked up what? I mean, they picked up three points in the last five, and Darby's picked up four points in the last five. So it's going to be a tight game. And just like yourself, where you play teams in and around you, Darby have Blackburn, Preston – Sheffield Wednesday, Birmingham, and then Swansea as well. And they play Sheffield wow. Wednesday, Sheffield Wednesday, Sheffield Wansey. That was stupid. What am I doing? <laughs> they, they play Sheffield Wednesday on the final game of the season as you guys play, play Birmingham. And so, you know, um, Darby can't afford a game where they sit back and they think, well, we're not planning on getting points from this game. So let's just look ahead. They're playing teams all in and around them. And I agree with you. I think for both of these teams, it's going to be such, such a crucial game. And obviously for Rovers, they win that game would pretty much be certain of not certain of safety, but I would say probably 75%. Yeah. You're probably going to be in this division next season. Um, I don't think a win, a win doesn't uh, necessarily move Derby too far away from the relegation fight either. Um, But I do think Blackburn need to come out with a win as do Derby. So it should hopefully be an open and entertaining game, uh, which I don't say very often because Derby's not necessarily that open nor sometimes that entertaining, but you know, they have known on occasion to turn on the old entertainment. So Ryan score prediction, which way, which way are you going with this one? You're predicting a Derby win, aren't you? I I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> I um, I saw enough in the performance away at Cardiff yesterday uh, that Rovers are actually realistic about where we are at now. And they are playing for the manager as much as the fans probably don't want the manager at the moment. I think the players are playing for him. So I'm expecting Rovers to play confidently and to view the game like I am actually as a fan. I think they'll realise the importance of this one. 
Uh, and I'm going to say 2-1 Rovers. Fair enough. I think I was I was going to go with a Derby win um, because I – but, you know, again, what you just said there kind of worries me, the performance that they put against Cardiff. Now, Cardiff are a very good side. They are kind of in and around the, the conversation for the playoffs. Um, yeah, and I think – that Derby, you know, they were very lackluster as we were talking ahead of before, before we started recording, they were very lackluster um, against Norwich on, on Saturday, especially in the first half. I think Norwich had about 85% possession. I know some people will disagree with my assessment, but it's just my opinion. I don't think Derby were very good in the first half. They came out in the second half and they put a much more spirited performance on. They frustrated Norwich to a degree. I don't think Norwich necessarily, I think Norwich levels kind of dropped as well. This was not the Norwich of the seven nil Huddersfield win. Um, but they're still top of the league, but they did, they did run out winners. Um, so I think that Derby, I think they do a goal. I think they will get a goal, but Derby do have so many injuries in defense. Um, they're, they're doing I could, four or five people. Matt Clark's out injured. Nathan Byrne probably will be back. He was out with concussion. So you never know how concussions are going to go and things like that. Um, they played Cornell McDonald at right back. He'll probably be replaced with um, Byrne if Byrne's fit. Buchanan, Forsyth, they've got Mengi now playing center half um, Edmondson's out injured. So Darby do have a couple injuries defensively. So I think they will offer Blackburn a, a chance um, ranking Costello with his forward balls. You've got Adam Armstrong. Who's, who's very, very good at this level. Um, I think they, they can offer him. And then obviously, you know, you look back to the reverse fixture where blank Blackburn basically just wiped the floor with them for, for 90 minutes, four nil winners, at Pride Park. So I think, I think I'm going to go with a one, one draw. I think Darby will score, but I think they'll, unfortunately from, from a Darby perspective, they'll offer Rovers an opportunity, which I'm think pretty sure Adam Armstrong, Adam Armstrong will bury. So you're going two one Rovers and I'm going one, one for Darby County. <laughs> I'll um, take one, one. It's, it's just a must not lose game for Rovers. I think. Yeah. I think, I think for Blackburn, I think even if they could get a point out of this game, it would be seen as a solid point because it would just put again, it just puts that extra point on there. So now it's two games to catch them. And then you're starting yeah. to do the math and you're starting to run out of games as the things go. So as long as you're above three and if you're above four, there's that extra like half game in there as well. So I think a, a draw or a win for Blackburn would be seen as a good result. Um, and our I, goal I difference is, is great um, because of the early season form. You know, we're the only ones with a positive goal difference in the bottom half, which is just crazy. Like Rovers have never been that side, I can tell you. And before I let you go, Ryan, I want to ask you a question. Um, obviously, fans haven't been in stadiums for well over a year now because there's a there's a pandemic going on, and that's okay because we want everybody to be safe, we want everybody to be healthy, and we want everybody to come back and and do it the right way. Um, what's the first thing you're going to do when you get back to Ewood Park? Are you going to like run over to your seat and give it a big old kiss? What are you going to do? Meet your mates? Oh. Go get a beer? What, what, what's the first thing you do when you're walking in? I think I'll be quite emotional, actually. Um, I think I'll definitely maybe just walk up the steps and go and smell it all again. You know, all those smells that you get from from going to the games. I'll probably just go and take it all in and, you know, watch the players warm up a little bit and just kind of like be there for the moment. And then, as you say, back into the concourse, get a beer, get a pie, etc. And do the usual chin wag with uh, with people and, you know, maybe catch the early kickoff on the TV screens like everyone does and, and chat about the team news as it lands and back into the old habits, as they say. I'm a big, I, I do love a puck of pie myself. Um, yeah. What what pie are you going for? Uh, Rovers do a good chicken balti pie, to be fair. Well, so, I mean, uh, obviously it's Venkis, so that seems <laughs> yeah, like it to makes be fair, sense. Not a one, but uh, yeah, chicken balti for me was pretty decent. Yeah, I'm a chicken and mushroom guy myself. Chicken and mushroom. 
that's that's my kind of go-to pie. Hey, like it. Well, Ryan, that's all the time we've got for right now. So I appreciate you taking the time um, to, to chat with me about Blackburn Rovers and, and looking ahead to Derby. I really enjoyed it. Um, Ryan Hildred from Rovers Chat. Ryan, thanks for coming on. No, thank you for having me on, Corey. And uh, yeah, I'll speak to you soon. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. We're still in the <laughs> league. Hopefully. Um, and Rams fans, again, Ryan Hildred from Rovers Chat. You can catch him um, on it's at Rovers Chat. That's that's a very, very simple Twitter handle. But that's all the time we've got for now, uh, for today, Rams fans. So um, we'll be back. We'll get the more preview podcasts for the, uh, for the run-in. We're going to have some reviews in there. We've got some special content coming because our centenary episode is fast approaching. And Jason will be back very soon as well. So the only thing to say until next time, up the Rams. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Rams Review Podcast. We would love it if you'd like to get in touch. On Twitter, we're at RamsReview1. On Facebook, it's Rams Review Podcast. Or you could drop us an email, ramsreview at hotmail.com. Until next time, up the Rams. The Rams Review Podcast are proud to be part of the Fan Hub 100, putting fans first.